The title of the message is Above All Else. Those are the three words for the NIV version of your scriptures that reveal Proverbs 4, verse 23. And it's a very intentional uh, title. I almost went with heart surgery, but I didn't want to put too many people off this afternoon. So I've gone with Above All Else, Proverbs 4, 23. That will be a portion of the scripture that we look at this afternoon. But how many of us know that we cannot take a verse just in isolation? And Proverbs 4.23 is probably one of the most abused portions of Scripture that is taken in isolation. And if you're here this afternoon and you're like, this guy's going to talk to me about how I need to guard my heart, about this girl that I like sitting three rows in front of me. Wrong. I'm not going to be going into that this afternoon. But we will be taking it in context. And it's very, very important that we explore it correctly. So the key portion of Scripture for us this afternoon is Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. I'll be reading the NIV version, so you're free to turn in your Bibles to that. Be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And so the instruction for us is not just merely to guard our hearts this afternoon, but also to guard the godly instructions within our hearts. We are told that God's instructions are life to those who find them. So there should be careful attention today paid for us to know that we need to pay careful attention to the divine truth because there is a promise of life and health attached to that. And in the day and age we live in, we need truth now more than ever before. Fact-checking on Facebook, right? Uh, what Mr. Trump decides to tweet from his Twitter account. Um, what you see often posted on social media by influencers. I would suggest to you this afternoon the only person you need to be influenced by is the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures, and the Lord Jesus Christ. People can paint perceptions. We need truth in a time like this. To experience the fullness of faith and partake in the blessings, we must recognize the treasure of our hearts. So above all else. Above all else, i.e. before you do anything else, do this. It screams priority. And the church generally, I know that it's not necessarily the case here at KT, but the church generally, we don't place a lot of emphasis on guarding our heart. It's often about evangelism, discipleship, ministry, gifts, talents, etc. But guarding our heart is a key, key element for us to consider in our lives. Now, your version of the scriptures, I think it's NLT at the end, refers to the wellspring of life. Now that communicates to me a glorious promise. These portion of scripture right here stipulates that this is singularly one of the most important elements for us to consider in our lives. Do not make the false assumption that taking care of your heart is a selfish pursuit. It is a godly thing to do because what we carry we communicate. There can be no nonsense in our hearts this afternoon as we are about to cross over from 2019 into a new year, into a new decade. What we possess pollinates into the lives of those around us. You only have to open a bag of chips or you only have to wait for the welcome team to come back with their Nandos and the wafting of the chicken <laughs> just pollinates right into the sanctuary and you know somebody's enjoying their lunch, which is good. So our hearts have to be filled with his word, his trust, and his love. And with that, joy will flow from your heart. 
And therefore, to guard our hearts, according to scriptures, is to guard the truths and the biblical instructions that God has given us through the Holy Spirit that will illuminate the scriptures to our hearts. Because there is a difference, friends, between facts and truth. Facts. Arsenal are currently beating Chelsea (laughs) 1-0. Praise God. Any witnesses in the house? Can I get a witness? No, okay. The truth is we probably won't win the game. (laughs) See if you work that out. It is not just enough to know facts about your faith. Facts give you information. Truth produces transformation. Yeah? So a, a bit like the scriptures. You know, Bible knowledge without Bible experience, fruitless. It's like reading Harry Potter or reading any other book. It's just information. And I don't encourage you to read Harry Potter. But make no mistake, only when you guard your heart will you truly be able to live for God. Only when you guard your heart. Only when you choose to throw off the old self, embrace the new self, you will live for God in holiness. Now that said, you can fall into the trap that I have fallen into. And there may be some people here that may even think that that's still the case. Where you can overly guard your heart and block maybe what God wants to do in and through your life if we decide to embrace Proverbs 4.23 in isolation. So my question for you this afternoon is how clean, how pure is your heart? What is the overarching ache, heart, focus of your heart? What are you carrying today? If your heart could be revealed on the screen behind me, what would it shout? What would it communicate? What would it radiate? Is it free of anything and everything that could be blocking God from operating in your life? Now, I know you're sitting there thinking, well, how am I going to go about this? Well, let's look at the longest psalm and the longest chapter in the scriptures. Psalm 119, verses 9 to 11. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all of my heart. Not some of my heart, some of the time, all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Guarding your heart makes sure it guarantees that you are living according to God's word. Because here's here's something that you can consider. Nudge the person next to you and tell them, God's not impressed by your gifting. (laughs) Sorry if that's a bit of a, a downer for one or two of us here this afternoon. But you know what God is impressed by? He's impressed by your heart. He's impressed by your heart. He's not impressed by your gifting. Your backstage determines your front. The, 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 your backstage determines the success of your front stage. For anyone that's in theatre, you only have to look at what goes on behind the scenes, behind the curtain, so to speak. And if there's chaos and clutter and confusion about what's meant to be happening next, that will transpire to the actors and actresses that step out on the front. And I have that on good authority from some of my colleagues here. Thank you. Here are some consequences for not guarding your heart. Three areas. Number one, criticism. You should write that down, criticism. You will be susceptible to criticism. Judges 8 verse 1 is a, is an, an, a, thing, an area, a verse that you can look at. Recognize this. It's impossible to please everyone all the time. Sorry if that's... Um, A little sobering for you this afternoon, but it is reality. People will judge your leadership style. People will judge your gifts. And you will find people will judge your heart. 
The purpose of criticism is only one thing, paralysis. It is to stop you doing what you are called to do. You can read it in Judges 8 verse 1. Gideon was heavily criticized by the men of Ephraim at the time. So you can take a moment to read that. So what about number two? Disappointment. Anyone ever been disappointed? And if you, it is about your Christmas presents, please. I'd, if it's socks again that you got, I'm sorry. Rejoice in the fact that you got some socks. Disappointment. Jonah 4 verses 1 to 5. Nineveh wants Jonah destroyed. Within disappointment, there are four stages. And I guarantee you, almost everyone in this house has gone through these four stages at one point or another. You blame God. Anyone? A couple of witnesses. That's what Jonah did. Anyone ever get angry? Frustrated? Amen. In that moment, the miracle is to keep on. What about you stop praying? You think, well, what's the point? I'll give up. This is, this is the consequences of disappointment, which are the consequences of you not guarding your heart. You stop praying. Total prayerlessness will develop in your life, and that will ruin you. And then finally and fourthly, you withdraw. Jonah did. You will find yourself taking steps back, deciding, oh, I'll sell this week. Nah, church, oh, that guy's talking again. Nah, forget it. Before you know it, you're like three blocks behind me over here because of the disappointment that's set in. And then finally, it will breed disillusionment, which is an elevated, heightened state of disappointment. And you can read that in 1 Kings verse 19. At that point, the phrase, the rubber hits the road, springs to mind. Either you deal with it or it will deal with you. And for anyone that's done any journey with the Lord, you will often find after a major high, a major breakthrough, is a bit of a low. It happens. Yes? If you ever visit anyone in a hospital, when life is a flat line, the person has died. You will find if you're alive, it does this. You've got to be able to go through the valley experiences to enjoy the mountaintop experiences. And I hope and pray in 2020 that you have more mountaintop experiences that are far higher and far more elevated than the deepest valley that you could ever go into. Do not give up in the moment of disappointment because that will give way to sin. You will find cheap ways to fix the emptiness, the unsatisfaction, the worthlessness and disappointment that creeps into your heart. Any Formula One fans here? Give me a quick wave. One or two, okay. Praise God. Um, I had the privilege a few years ago to go to the Monaco Grand Prix, which I understand is the most prestigious and the most glamorous Grand Prix. On a personal level, I don't understand 60 laps just going round and round and round and round and round again. And so I took some time to, to watch what I think is the most exciting part of the Grand Prix, and that's what they call the pit, the pit change, the tire change. And as far as I can see, that there are significant areas, spiritually speaking, that apply what, with what I watched in, in Monaco a few years ago to your own life, to our own lives. Three things happen when the cars go into the pit. Is that the right word? Have I got the right word? Pit stop. I'm reliably told. You can tell how interested I am. <laughs> Thank you. This is all done in seconds, by the way. Four, four and a half seconds. And yet has a profound and lasting impact on the driver in the race. The tires are changed because they've become worn down over time and therefore become unsafe. New tires are placed on the car and produce fresh grip, stability and security for the driver. Otherwise, they are exhausted, just like Jonah was. Number two, breaking news, really good spiritual principle. They put in petrol. Amen? The tank is almost empty from all the driving arounds. You will need to be refueled. 
in your own journey, in your own life, when you're giving out, when you're serving, you're going to need to be refueled. Or the car will just stop. And in that moment, the car becomes an incredible hazard to the driver in the car and to every other driver that is driving that race. So we will need constant refueling from the Holy Spirit. We will have to deal with our spirit, forgive God, forgive ourselves, and forgive everyone who has hurt us. And the third thing is that they wipe the visor clean. Often you'll see in a race, there's dirt, debris, maybe it's been raining, and so raindrops get on the visor, which means that the driver can't see. Often when you're giving out, when you're serving, our vision can become clouded and blurred. We can't see very well, that is dangerous. But we can find ourselves in those moments when the visor is not clean, missing what God is wanting to do in and through each and every one of our lives. But when the visor is clean, the vision of him and his kingdom returns and we are able to move forward in power and purpose. But recognize this also, there is a direct connection between our hearts and our actions. So I said to you that we wouldn't read Proverbs 4, 23 in isolation. We've read Proverbs 4, 20, 21, 22, and 23. Now let's go to Proverbs 4, 24 to 27. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and let your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and then all your ways be sure. Do not swerve to the right, to the left. Let your foot away, turn your foot away from evil. So we see that there are consequences, there are steps, there are natural next steps and flows for us in our journey as Christians after we've guarded our heart. Verse 24, our speech. Verse 25, the focus of our eyes. And verses 26 and 27, the direction and journey of our lives. So let's recap for a second real quick. Verses 20 to 24 are for us to saturate our heart in God's truth. Verse 23, guard your heart where that truth is currently housed. Verses 24 to 27 is then how we choose to live from that reality. There is a natural cycle, a natural flow for each of us as Christians as we get into that cycle that will produce life and the fragrance of Christ. You know, often you will see people's hearts are often reflected in what they do. Proverbs 27 verse 19, as the water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the man. So my next question to you this afternoon is what are you reflecting? It's a sobering moment for each of us in our hearts and our lives to decide what we're carrying, to decide how we want to communicate the light and the love of Jesus Christ to every person that we encounter. Because these are our opportunities to put Christ on display. Because God is most interested in your heart. It is the treasure of everything to do with your life. Every part of your life, your actions, your words, your deeds, everything permeates and radiates from your heart. The Bible is very clear in Matthew 6, you know it. For where your treasure is, what? There your heart is also. So whatever your treasure is this afternoon, I, I don't know what it is in your life, but I guarantee you one thing, your heart is next to it. Guaranteed. So to guard one's heart means that you're careful to listen, to live according to God's word. 
This is known today as expository preaching. I've not cherry-picked a verse here and a verse there and threaded a story. I've taken a chunk of scripture and I've given us expository preaching where you just go verse by verse, line by line. I want to also take a moment this afternoon to tell you what Proverbs 4.23 is not. Amen? Are we ready for that? When the Bible talks about guarding your heart, the surrounding verses clearly indicate to us that we are to guard our heart from falling into sin. While guarding your heart from getting hurt is a part of guarding your heart from sin, we know that a wounded heart is more susceptible to temptation. The heart of Proverbs 4.23 is not about living from a place of safety in your life. The heart of this verse is that we get to live for holiness, guarding our hearts so that everything that we flows out of our lives flows from a place of love and not heart, hate. Guarding your heart from evils is a good thing in order to learn temperance and strength in times of temptation. However, if we take the verse in isolation, you might decide to apply it to your marriage, you might decide to apply it to your spouse or, or your boyfriend or girlfriend or some person that you may or may not like at work, at home, wherever, and decide, oh, I'm just gonna lock myself off. You know, and therefore we end up building these walls when what we need to do is build bridges. Because when you build a wall around yourself, you keep yourself safe, which is great, amen? amen. But there is a disadvantage, nobody can get in. You can't get out, but also nobody can get in to speak into your life. To guard your heart from love is the total opposite of what Proverbs 4 actually promotes. Guarding your heart from love is the opposite of what the entire scriptures teach us. So please don't think that Proverbs 4.23, well, guard your heart. Oh my goodness, she looked at me this way. Yeah, uh, should I text back? Should I send him a friend request? No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I didn't hear, but never mind. Some conviction going on, I suspect. There we are. <laughs> Praise God. We must love wisely, but to choose safety over love is anti-God. Period. Guarding your heart does not mean that you have to eliminate every single risk from your life. Any married people here? Quick show of hands, don't be nervous. Amen. At some point, I'm hoping, ladies, the man took a step and he took a risk, not knowing that he would be happily married to you, I'm assuming happily, amen, happily married to you a day, a week, a month, 10, 15, some of us 20, 30 years later, at some point he took a risk. For there to be love, there's going to be an element of risk. Yeah? Your heart is the source of your life. In order to receive the gifts that God has for you, you must be open. Christmas Day, in order for anyone to receive a gift, our hands must be open for whatever your mother, your father, your husband, your wife has put into your hands for you to open up that day. You cannot barricade your heart and keep it away from God. Guarding your heart does not also mean that I am therefore naturally a guarded person. You can guard your heart, but you can still be open to people and have a conversation. The best way to guard your heart is to give it to our good, good father. This means loving him completely, trusting him, even though your heart is not in your hands, it's in his. He's safety. This requires us to have faith in God. The heart is also where God 
speaks to us. It's where he reveals his plans to us. It's where he meets us. We cannot lock down our hearts and rely totally on head knowledge. But we also, it's important to know, we need to have good logic and we need to have good reasoning. We must remember that God speaks to us in movement with our heart and as long as we are walking with the Lord. Because perfect love, perfect love casts out what? No, wrong. Perfect love. Thank you. Perfect love casts out all fear. Not some fear. Some of the time, if it's your boss, then it's perfect love. It's casted out that fear. But if it's the wife, maybe not. No, perfect love casts out all fear, period. And we need to grasp that in our hearts. Because if you hide away your heart, I guarantee you only one thing. You will never be truly happy. You will never be truly satisfied. Because there's no ability, there's no capacity, there's no scope for anyone to speak into your life. Whether it's somebody that you like or don't like, whether it's a friend, whether it's your cell leader, whether it's Pastor Simon or Colin or whoever, if your heart is so barricaded, so closed, because you're like, I'm going to take that literally, guard your heart, I'm going to stand by it night and day, then you are never, ever, ever going to find love. You are never going to accept and receive the fullness of the Father's love. You will have distorted, diminished pockets, moments where you sense his fleeting love. But that's not your reality. And it doesn't have to be your reality. When your heart is open to the Lord, he begins to speak. Everyone can testify to that whether it's a job opening, whether it's an opportunity to, to go on a mission to a certain nation, whether it's doing this uh, essay for university, it doesn't matter what it's about, you know that when you open your heart, God will begin to speak to you. Now, sometimes it won't be logical. It's going to require you to go outside the comfort zone. Really sorry about that, but it's going to require a stretch. It's going to require you to grow. It's going to require you to go maybe a bit above and beyond what you naturally want to do. But if you want to experience the fullness of the Father's love above all else, then you're going to have to step into that. Because here's the reality. Whatever your excuses are this afternoon, and I'm sure there are some, and I have been guilty. I have been guilty in my early days. I don't know. Others may have some views now. Please don't shout them out. Thank you. <laughs> where I, I guarded my heart. I was so closed off. I was known as Teflon Scott. Yeah? Nothing could ever hurt me. Nothing could ever get to me. You could say the worst things about me, my mother, my father, and I was just, I was just like a, uh, I don't know, a statue. Like, I just, no emotions, there's no heart, there's no focus, there's nothing in me. Because I decided, well, I'm just going to guard my heart. And, and I took it in the most literal sense of the word. The reality is in those moments you feel least loved, you feel least connected to the Father, you feel least in terms of your understanding of your identity, your purpose, your value as a Christian. You know, you're loved. Above all else, you are loved. There's so much that I could speak on this today. But know this, every occasion where you are willing to make an excuse as valid and accept an excuse as being valid, you refuse God's help to overcome it. Every time you validate an excuse in your life about why you can't move forward or why you can't forgive or why this can't happen or that can't happen, then you void God's way or God's ability to overcome that challenge. And yet, at the same time, we scream another verse out of context. What is it? Philippians 4.13, what does it say? I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. What does verse 12 say? Paul says very clearly, I have learned what it's like to live in lack and live in abundance. And basically for me, there's no difference. I'm down, I'm cool. Because above all else, Paul lived for God's glory. And that's the goal for us this afternoon. And my hope and my prayer is that you will find whatever the things are, whether it's sin, whether it's mindsets, whether it's circumstance, whether it's generational issues, I'm not sure. But you will find the things that are blocking you from moving forward in your walk with God. And I pray that you will be able to nail them to the foot of the cross of Calvary and that above all else, you will then move forward in freedom, you will move forward in power, you will move forward in purpose to receive and embrace all that Christ has for you. Because above all else, you can achieve this. You can overcome, you can live in victory, you can live in freedom, but it's gonna require us to look at our heart, to look at our life in its context, in its reality, and to decide and determine in our hearts that we will deal with it or it will deal with us. Because you can have a moment of disappointment after you get a school grade back. Maybe, just me, I got a lot of them. Lots of disappointments when I got school grades back. But you can decide whether you're gonna live in that moment or you're gonna decide whether you wanna move forward from that moment. Because if you don't deal with it, it will deal with you.